0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, our, our scripture teaching today, um, last week we started a new message series that was called, it's called Overcomer. And it's really about this sort of dichotomy that we face as Christians where we're human beings who go through all sorts of emotions and all sorts of feelings? We have various circumstances that that over that that cause us to feel like we that we are weighed down and bogged down, that we struggle with things. Um, and yet, as Christians, we are told that we are more than conquerors; that we are victorious through Christ. We have been given; we're new creations. We've been given a new identity. Um, and so, there are all of these these things that we struggle with, and yet we're also given tools and told that we should overcome we can overcome them. And so this series is really about kind of addressing some of those spaces in which um, that hold us back or that we struggle with and and applying the truth of scripture to them to learn how to be an overcomer in those circumstances. So last week we talked about overcoming the curse of comparison, right? This idea of that when we compare ourselves to other people or other things, that's where um, dissatisfaction begins. But when we begin to seek our worth and our value from our creator, the one who designed us, who created us the way that we are meant to be, when we ask him, are we doing enough? Are you proud of us? We will find in that space that that he gives us, he's created us for specific purposes, for specific lanes to run in, and that we just keep our eyes fixed on him and we'll find fulfillment and peace uh, and comfort in when we are uh, just running the race that God has laid out for us, rather than looking to the left or the right at other people. Well, today we're going to continue with um, with another topic, which is uh, another one that is uh, one that I would just say is I'm still in flight with. Okay, um, you know, at the risk of. Uh, Again, I feel like there's always a risk of your pastor being vulnerable and transparent, but this is just the sword I'm going to die on if that's the way that it is, because I just believe it's right. And so today is going to be a combination of both um, honesty about this is something that I still deal with, and at the same time, using the the authority of Scripture and the truth of God's Word, um, as well, coupled with my own learnings in this process, to bring out some some truths that I think um, will be valuable for all of us. Um, I am by no means saying that I have mastered this. Many of us have really never going to master something completely until we are fully restored in Christ. But this topic particularly is one that I do wrestle with and struggle with, and I have found progress. I have taken ground on this. But if I'm honest, some of it is still things that I deal with, and I think you guys will feel the same way. So today we're going to be talking about apathy. Apathy, um, and I want to start with a, uh, a like a real quick little story, just kind of giving you an example of how this shows up in my life, and maybe you can resonate with it in some way. Um, hopefully, this is not a uh, this is a no judgment zone. We're, I'm sharing these things so that we can understand that this is something that is real, and we need to work through and how God's Word applies that to our lives. So, uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was a year or two ago, it was Palm Sunday. And I remember after church, I'm just sort of laying on the couch. I'm playing video games, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love to just lay on the couch and, and play different games. It's it's fun for me, and it stimulates my mind. So I'm playing, and then I get a notification on my phone. I can't remember if it was Facebook or CNN or something like that. And I remember hearing that in Egypt, uh, there were two bombings of two Christian churches that had happened on Palm Sunday. I don't know if any of you guys remember this. It happened a year or two ago. Um it was Palm Sunday and I remember laying on the couch, seeing the notification, looking at it, pausing my game and then reading through the article and it hit me just enough for me to say a prayer about it where I would say something along the lines of, "God, man, this is terrible. This is awful that this happened. Comfort those people, you know, something along the lines of comfort those people who lost loved ones, <clears throat> bring those who've done this to justice. Um, you know, any number of uh you know, of, of, of situations that are like that and prayer through those types of things. And then, um, sorry. And then at that point, I would, I kind of just went online real quickly. And I think I just made a post saying, look how terrible this thing is. We should pray for this country. And then I just went back to playing my video games. And this is a situation that has not, the first time that that ever happened. Um, maybe some of you can can identify with that, where you've received some tragic news or some difficult you know, headline that you see on the news and you're in the middle of something, or maybe if you're not in the middle of something and it hits you enough to just kind of ring as, wow, that's terrible, man, that's awful. Then maybe you post something, maybe you text somebody and share it so somebody else sees it, but then you just kind of go about your day you know, and it doesn't really affect you in a way to cause any sort of real emotional um, consequence, or it doesn't really move you to any kind of real action. Uh, And so I find myself at times asking the question, well, what in the world is wrong with me? How can I be, I don't know, so insensitive or, you know, apathetic, really. And I think it's because I would say that we are in general, a part of an apathetic generation or apathetic society, um, where we are faced with so many things that we just, I don't know, like have been numbed to a lot of stuff. And so there's a lack of interest in things that are happening around the world. There's a lack of passion to do things about real problems. There's a lack of concern over real issues that are facing our nation, that are facing our friends or family members or those in our city, um, and so that's what I want to talk about today: is is overcoming apathy because this is, I think, a disease. It's a cancer that that we are that we need to overcome as followers of Christ because our God is not an apathetic God. Our God is the opposite of that. In fact, He saw so much taking place that He chose to act in his great love. And so Jesus actually confronts this. This is nothing new. We talk about this all the time, that there is nothing new under the sun. And in fact, much of what we struggle with today is actually addressed in some form or function in the Bible, which is why it is you know, the greatest uh, book in existence, because it is a Uh, A lesson, a reflection on who we are as people and how we can relate to God. And so Jesus is confronting this concept of apathy in the famous story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. We talked about this um, several weeks ago in one of our series that we did in Luke chapter 10. um, Jesus is confronted by a Pharisee. And this Pharisee comes up to Jesus and is trying to trap him and essentially says to him, uh, Rabbi, what do I need to do? Like, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Like, what is it that, that I need to do? Like, how do I fulfill the law? How can I be a good person, right? Um, what do I have to do? And really what he's asking is, what is the lowest common denominator? What is the least that I have to do in order to, you know, punch my ticket into heaven or, you know, into that space so I can know that I've done enough? Um, and what is, he says, what does the law say? And so Jesus responds to him with this, with not the small common denominator naming the answer, although it is, but it's really this large, over-encompassing like statement that is the encompassment of the entirety of God's law that says, love your God and love your neighbor. But that's unfortunately so broad that you can't boil it down to a formula. And so this. This guy is frustrated with Jesus. Right. And he and he just kind of says, OK, well, then, we, who is my neighbor? And we, we I don't want to rehash the series and the sermon that we did before. But he says, who is my neighbor again. Like like I, I certainly can't love everybody. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time to be able to love everybody. And really, what does it mean to love God? Does that mean that that I should like, you know, give up my Saturdays? Does that mean that I should give up brunch? Does it mean I should give up some of my money? Or does that just mean that I have to go to church every Sunday? Like, what is it that you're trying to say? Right. He's trying to justify himself. He's trying to justify his behavior. And he says, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Who do I have to care about? And so Jesus kind of doesn't really answer him directly. And he starts telling the story. He says, well, this is where we find in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. He says a man was going from Jerusalem. Right. So this is a common story. There's a man who's traveling from Jerusalem at the time for Jewish people. The center of civilization for them was Jerusalem to Jericho. That's the south of of uh, Judah. So they were traveling south on foot on a path, probably a well-traveled path. Um, And he says he's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he's beaten up. He's mugged by a group of bandits and he's left for dead. We don't really have much more details. We don't know who it was. We don't know what time of night it was. It doesn't matter, right? The whole point is that Jesus doesn't give these details because now he's going to focus on what happens when people come across and see him. So verse 31 says a priest happened to be going down the same road. So there's a priest for some reason traveled from the temple area down to Jericho. Maybe he had business. Maybe he was checking on a local synagogue. We don't know. And when he came and he saw the man, the beaten up left for dead man, he passed by on the other side, like the other side. Now these roads are not very wide. It's not like they're highways. They don't have multiple lanes. It's probably enough, if that, for a cart to go by and people on the other side, maybe two carts at most. You're talking, what, 10, 15 feet? So he's walking along and he sees someone bloody, beaten up, unconscious, and he sees him. This is a priest. This is like a pastor. This is like a cardinal in the Catholic church. This is like whoever would be a the highest ranking individuals in the religious order sees this person, and it says he passed by on the other side. He did nothing. So then it continues, verse 32. So, too, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, a Levite is The workers in the church. So in our context, think of like dream teamers. Right. This is deacons. This is board members. This is those people who say, yeah, like I'm at the church a lot because I do a lot and I'm I'm a part of it. I'm committed to the work of the church, right, of the temple. That's who these guys are. And he sees them. And it says also he, too, passed by on the other side, we get these and we know the rest of the story that that a Samaritan a hated, marginalized, discriminated against uh, a minority individual comes along and does help. Right. But the story that we're focusing on right here today is this one of the most powerful images of apathy that we can find in literature. Right. In scripture, we see this here, this this powerful image of apathy where these two guys who know that they should help someone. They say yeah, it's not really my problem. It's not worth the effort. I've got somewhere to go. It's, there's, it's too risky. You know, I could make myself unclean by touch. What if he's dead? If he's dead, then like I touch him. Now I got to go through this like cleansing ritual for, for seven days. I'm going to be unclean and I can't do my job. You know, like, I don't know. I've got somewhere to be. I got so I got a transaction. I'm meeting a guy to pick up a laptop down in Jericho. So I got to I got to get there. i like, I can't be bothered. Right. Like that's this is what we see here. Right. Is this risk. There's things to do. And so they just pass on by. We live in this society where every day we hear about injustice. When we hear about pain. We see people on the side of the road. We hear about friends who are struggling with finances or people who are going through something. They're just weeping They're crying. People are feeling isolated. People who are feeling anxious and they're, they're depressed. They, they feel alone. They they're, they're struggling with their wives or their husbands. They're they're considering, you know, uh, you know, any number of things. People who are considering suicide. There's people who need treatment or addicted to drugs or alcoholism. People who are failing their classes. People who, whatever. Any, just so many things that we know about. And all the stuff on the news, all these types of things are happening every day. and We can't be bothered with them. There's an epidemic of apathy. An epidemic of Apathy. And even with our young people, and it's not just the young people, but I see it all the time, particularly is this kind of concept of like, hey, how are you today? And the answer is, meh, right? Like, meh, this idea of there's just a general, like, whatever, I don't care. And it, it is in our youth, but it's also, it's just, it just permeates our nation, division in our political ranks, feeling hopeless, feeling like there's nothing that can be done. And so this is nothing new. And yet we see Jesus telling us as Christians that we should be people who care. Love the Lord your God, not just love him, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, right? It's speaking to the entirety of our existence to love God that way and in the same way to love your neighbor. Do I love my neighbor with my the very fiber of my being? Do you? And yet I find myself struggling when I get a notification, oh, there's another school shooting. You know, oh, terrorist bombing. Oh, there was a, a murder of a, of a black man by a police officer, unarmed guy. And I find myself for a moment feeling frustrated, feeling anger, feeling rage, and then it's gone. I can't be the only one. So the question I wanna to ask today is this, why don't we care? like jesus calls us to care why why don't we care like jesus calls us to care i have a few thoughts we'll go through these quickly and then i want to try to address this number one i think the volume of information that we receive is overwhelming i think you guys would all probably agree with that the volume of information that we receive is overwhelming think about just in the last several years i'm just thinking of various things as I was writing this down, the earthquake in Nepal and the massive amount of money that it took to to help, you know, the people in it. school shootings left and right, starting with Sandy Hook, even all the way back to when I was in high school with Columbine, and you know, further and further. Now there have been so many, too many to even count. Car bombings in Syria, hurricanes and tornado disasters. The most recent one that I'm aware of, I think, was in Nashville a few months ago or a month ago or whatever. There's a hurricane down in Florida, right? There's been an earthquake recently the coronavirus pandemic, which is all over the place, all that we have on the news. So these are just a few things that are just popping up constantly in our news feeds, right? And I find myself, because of having so much information overload that I find myself that I can't care because there are too many things to care about. Why don't we care like Jesus calls us to care? Because one, the volume of information is simply just overwhelming. Number two, because we also feel helpless to make change, you know? It's hard to care about something that you can't really do much about. I can't fix, you know, and rebuild a city in Nepal. I can't, you know, rebuild houses. I want to do something, right? You feel like this, like, I want to do something. I want to, I, I do feel something in my heart that says, like, I should be involved, right? I want to do something, but I'm, t- I'm trying to pass my sociology class. I'm trying to potty train a two-year-old. I'm, I'm trying to finish an important work project. Like. I have my own stuff happening in my own life that's causing me to just, I'm barely hanging on on the rails right now, right? I'm barely hanging on. How the heck am I supposed to do anything about something out there? I can barely keep my own stuff together. Mm. And so we feel helpless to really make a change. The volume of information is overwhelming. We feel helpless to make a change. Number three, and I think this is really important, for us to consider. But I think it is a significant reason why we don't care as much as Jesus calls us to care is because we're also blessed and cursed with comfort. We're blessed and cursed with comfort. Just this week, I ordered takeout multiple times using multiple delivery apps. I shopped for items on Amazon prime and got my items within two days, right? I binge watched multiple shows on Netflix and HBO and Showtime all while not leaving my house. Like I don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to do anything. We're forced to stay home, but it's not like we can't. Like this pandemic hit at probably the perfect time for our society to be able to handle this in a way, right? But when it comes to apathy and not like feeling like we don't care and the reason why we don't care, one of them is is because we've been conditioned to just not take much action. Life is about me. Life is all about me. It's about my convenience. It's about making things as simple as possible. and so convenient that it requires less of me. And so when a situation, a real situation, a real problem that needs action comes along, frankly, we've been conditioned by comfort and convenience to, to actually not act in those areas. So how do we overcome apathy? How do, we, how do we be the type of people that, that that feels compassion and acts upon it like Jesus calls us to? How do we love our neighbor like the Good Samaritan did and not have apathy like the priest and the Levite did? How do we do that? Well, one of the things that I think we need to do and one of the areas that I have found myself to be helpful to me, and again, this is not something I'm perfect at, I have not mastered it, but I have found Um, I have found that it, it, it keeps me focused and it keeps me from becoming hard in my heart. And it is this to consistently expose yourself to something that creates a righteous discomfort, consistently expose yourself to something that creates a righteous discomfort. What do I mean by that? I mean that you have to be willing to, to realize that there are things happening in the world that I'm not experiencing necessarily, but that others are, and to exposing it to myself and recognizing that it is not right and not just ignoring it, but allowing myself to feel it, allowing myself to see from their perspective, to try to understand it as best that I can. And again, this is not something I'm perfect at, something I've got a long way to go, but I really have learned that that has kept me from becoming jaded. It's kept me from becoming cynical. It's kept me from becoming hard, it's hardened. It's kept me from, from ignoring problems. And at least it causes me to want to become a part of the solution rather than simply feeling helpless and throwing my hands up. Because what happens is, is that a lack of consistently exposing yourself to things that make you uncomfortable results in a lack of interest. It's easy for me to ignore Racial discrimination. It's easy for me to ignore poverty. It's easy for me to ignore food scarcity. If I only surround myself and see, you know, plenty of food, if I see kindness and happiness, if I don't ever expose myself to things that cause me to feel uncomfortable, then I'm never going to feel like the compassion that Jesus had. And there's this other passage of we're not going to go to it where Jesus stepped off the boat. He was exhausted. He was tired. He was overwhelmed, and he gets off the boat. He was trying to go to a little mountain retreat, and he gets off the boat, and he sees thousands of people who are hungry, who came into the wilderness to search for Jesus because they wanted him to touch them and heal them and pray for them and give them love, and it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was confronted by something that, that called to his human nature, and instead of ignoring it, he leaned into it but in order to have to have a righteous discomfort that has to be consistency to it and what happens is is that sometimes we go on mission trips right like the first time and how many of you let me see your hand how many of you have ever been on a mission trip ever either in the country or you know out of the country okay so a few of us have gone on a trip do you remember that feeling of going on the trip and it's like a life changing experience and you 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 you're exposed to things that you've never seen before. You've seen God move in really exciting and powerful ways, and you say, I will never be the same again. And you come home, and for a little while you're you know, you're you're on fire for Jesus and you make some changes in your life, right? But then you get back to life. You get back to school, work kicks back in, home repairs, homework is due. You know, like I stained my new shirt that I just got. And all of a sudden you're back into it and you're not that same person anymore. What happened to you? Well, it's because you weren't consistently exposed to the thing that makes you uncomfortable, to make you to that righteous discomfort, right? Where God can can, can move in your heart into that space because it was a one-time thing. We have to lean into whatever makes us righteously uncomfortable. In Romans chapter 9, verses one And two, the Apostle Paul talks about this, like, something that affected him and caused him to feel this righteous discomfort. And he says this, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. This is Romans 9, verses 1 and 2. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow. This is not, like... Oh, man, I love, like, watching, reading articles about how Christians are winning people for Jesus. This is, a, this is a man right now who's admitting that when he thinks about this topic, it breaks his heart. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ. He's willing to give up his own salvation if it would save them. He recognizes that the message of the gospel has come to his very own people, the people who have rejected the Messiah, and his heart is broken over it. And Paul is understanding that that when you care, you can't do nothing. You're willing to give everything. And apathy then shifts away into becoming a fiercely righteous passion. So the question really is, is how do we channel that passion? Because I think all of us are saying, like, we know that feeling of, man, I got to do something, right? But then we lose steam because we don't know what to do with it. We don't know where to start. And so if you're feeling like I'm apathetic in general, I don't care about anything, then I think maybe the answer to you is that first piece is to start consistently expose yourself to things that will cause you to have a righteous discomfort. Allow yourself to step outside of things that you know in the natural comfort spaces and see the injustices, see the pain that's happening and allow God to speak some righteous discomfort. But if that's not your problem and your problem really is, but I don't know what to do about it. I want to kind of finish today by talking about channeling that passion. And again, this is an area of of growth for me. This is also an area that I, I've found some success in, but it's an area that this is an area that we can all lean into and learn from how do we channel that passion, righteous, Fierce, righteous passion. Number one, focus on something. I think it's important to focus on something. There are many things that will catch our attention. Again, everything on social media, everywhere, there's just inundating with things. We talked about this a couple months ago. We were brainstorming ideas and ways that we could reach into our community, right? There are so many problems, but few things will capture your heart. Focus on something. I'm just going to name off some things, and this is more of an individual thing and not so much specifically to our church, but this is for you. I want you to consider to channel the passion. When you think about all the different problems in our world, what is something that grabs your heart? Is it the unborn? Is it racial injustice? Is it human trafficking? Is it clean water? Is it cancer research? about fostering or adoption? Is it student ministry or you know, working with teenagers or youth or kids? Is it overseas missions? Is there like like the unreached people groups around the world? Is it discipleship? Is it that you're passionate about people being flaky for God and you want them to, to, to know the truth in a relationship in a deep discipling relationship with God? Is it mental illness? Is it freedom from pornography? Is it alcoholic alcoholism or drug addiction? Is it is it social or mental health? There's so many different spaces. What is it that you personally can focus on that, that just grabs your heart and focus on that thing? Learn about that space. Take time to focus in in learning and allowing yourself to become discomforted righteously in that area and begin to focus on that. then rather than making a bunch of little in a lot of different places, make a big difference in a few things. Don't allow apathy to creep in when you feel overwhelmed by, by just inundated with information and there's so much that I can't do anything about it. Instead, focus on what God, this is kind of like last week, right? What is the lane? What is the race that God has called you to? What is that race for you? What areas of need is God saying to you specifically, I built you to, to resonate with this area of, your, of, of the world that is in pain and in brokenness and that you can focus on and put some effort into and then join some people who are doing those things. You don't have to be the one starting yourself. Join people who are already doing the thing that you are passionate about. So number one is focus on something. Jesus was focused. He was focused. He said, I have come so that they may have life, not the righteous. I came for the sinners. I came to set the captives free. I came to seek and save the lost. He said, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you have to leave everything behind. And what happens is that passivity repels. Passivity repels. People don't want to be a part of something or be connected to people who are just kind of like living in wallowing in apathy. But passion attracts if you're passionate about something, it draws people to it. What is it for you? What is it for you? I think about my friend Brian McCabe. We've talked about him before. He's a pastor who's, who's just found a passion around poverty and racial injustice, so much so that he's moved his family into a neighborhood where he's surrounded by individuals who live in those circumstances, and he's become friends with them. And he lives there and he diverts his resources there. And he has been, done everything he could possibly do to shed the light of Christ in that space. And he's made powerful uh, in, in, in big uh, strides in those areas. And God has opened doors for him and has attracted other people. He is focused. He's focused on something and channeling his passion. Number two, you have to embrace what hurts. Not only it's not enough to just focus on something because there's going to be times when you're going to get busy. There's going to be times where it's going to become really hard, but you have to embrace what hurts. Paul said that. He says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. Unending. It was like every day, even when he even when he saw one of his brothers come to Jesus for the first time, he was filled with joy, but it was always bittersweet because he knew there were thousands more who were still suffering from it. When you focus on the thing that you're passionate about and you start getting involved, you're going to see even more of it. And you can't run away from it. You have to allow yourself to embrace the pain and the feeling that comes from from that kind of darkness. And yet we are called to live there. We see our savior, Jesus, he did the same exact thing. He didn't run away from the pain. He didn't run away from it. In fact, he invested in it. He went and sat with the sinners. He went and sat with those people who would make fun of him. He went and sat in the synagogues where he knew he would be confronted by those people who disagreed with him, who would set him up. Those people would backstab him. His life was on the line constantly. He knew he was going to the cross and he willingly took that beating. He did all of it. He embraced that pain so that he could not be apathetic and instead that he could fulfill the mission that he had. For us to overcome apathy, we have to understand what Jesus has called us to, allow us to to feel the spaces to expose ourselves to the things that cause us to be uncomfortable, find those areas that grab our heart and then lean into those places, become passionate about those things and embrace the pain and discomfort that comes from, from it. Because it's easier and better for us to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. I can tell you this, it feels simpler to just not do anything But then it makes you feel like you're purposeless and you feel like you feel helpless and you feel hopeless. And then you start to feel overwhelmed by anxiety and depression and nihilism starts to take place. This is where people start to feel like there is nothing that can be done. Nothing matters. What's the point? And they start giving up on life. And then in the beginning, you're like, it would be simpler for me to do nothing. But the reality is it is easier to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. I promise you it is true. And if any of you have ever gotten to a place where you have where you where you have just felt overwhelmed because of apathy, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, it hurts. It hurts to be in a situation where you feel like you're not making as much of a difference as you want to, but knowing that you're doing something and helping in some way is such a better feeling than the helplessness and hopelessness of doing nothing. When I went to India a couple of years ago dramatically shaped my life. Do I still feel as passionate as I did when I got back? No, of course not, because that's that's what we're talking about. It erodes away, but it has shaped my perspective. But I remember being there. I remember being there and being so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable by the stark difference of the lifestyle. It was such a foreign concept, not just the language, not just that people look differently, but the living conditions that people lived in. The darkness spiritually that was there, the poverty, the incredible heartbreaking poverty that was there. I remember walking down a, 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 an alleyway, sort of a bizarre, like there were shops all weaving in this maze, like the kind of thing you see in movies, and, and there was a little boy, a little boy sitting on his mother's lap, and he had an open wound on his leg, like he like looked like he had part of his leg missing. Like, it was just like someone scooped out a part of his leg, and I could see it was horribly infected. That image is burned into my mind, you know? And I have a choice. I can either put it out of my mind, not think about it, say there's nothing I can do about it, or I can allow that to to touch my heart. I can allow that to to channel into, into passion and to do research and figure out what can I do to be a part of a solution that will help in some way. And yes, it hurts. It hurts me to think about it. I want to cry thinking about that boy. And I remember the whimper. I just still stings in my heart. I remember the whimper of that little boy walking away. And I remember even then feeling like I want to do something, but there's nothing I can do in that moment. I have to allow that pain to sit so that I don't allow apathy to creep in. It's easier to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. And if I think about myself and I think about our lives, we are rich with blessings. Some more than others, I understand that. Just yesterday I was looking at, I was doing my dishes and I don't remember where I was, I was running water and I just was struck by the clean, beautiful, clear crystal, crystal clear water that runs out of my faucet. And it just because of India, because of Greece, because of places that I've been and I've seen not cleaner water. It just, it has shaped me. I'm rich with blessings and I need and I want to be blessed with a burden. I want to, I want, this is what Jesus says. Like I've given you something to do something with it. The the parable of the talents, right? Like these guys who were given stuff. One guy goes and buries it because I'd rather just keep it because I don't want to lose it. But that guy's chided when the one who invests it and gives and does something with it is the one who's called good. What is it for you? We see it all throughout Scripture. Moses says, let my people go. He was passionate about the slavery of his people. We see David, right? When he, a righteous indignation when, when, the, when Goliath curses and mocks God. And he says, who are you to come against the, the, Lord of our, against the armies of the Lord of, of, of Heaven's armies? We see Nehemiah. He says this is not right. Fight for your brothers. Rise up and do something. We see Jesus. He says I, it's compassion. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. What is it for you? What pain is God drawing attention to in your life, in your in your world? Not not just what you are seeing, but like what is it that that God is drawing your attention to? What is it that God is drawing our attention to? We are overcome with apathy. I struggle with this, and yet I have found that when I Allow myself to have a consistent exposure to things that cause me to to have a righteous discomfort. My apathy begins to fade away. God moves into that space, and his Holy Spirit begins to say this. This is something I want you to do about it. That's why I post so many things about injustice on Facebook. It's a small thing that I can do, but I have had a bunch of people. This is not to prop me up, and it's not enough. I understand that. But I have had people say to me, Jared, I thank you for your consistent bringing to light the exposure of these injustices that's something that i feel passionate about myself you know is there more that i can do yes would it be simpler for me to avoid arguments on facebook yes but i don't and i would ask you the same question what is it that you can do your answer might not be to post things on facebook your answer might be i i have i feel like god wants me to donate to a to an organization that is fighting against this injustice. Your answer might be, I'm gonna volunteer time at urban impact. Your answer might be, I wanna, I wanna consistently go on a missions trip every year. I wanna go and I wanna you know, do this, or I wanna, I wanna help build wells for clean water in, a, in another nation. It, it could be any number of things. It could be just I want to expose myself more. I want to I make friends with people of, of different minorities. And I want to start that in a personal relationship space. There could be any number of things, but it's never going to happen if you don't allow yourself to consistently be exposed to areas that will cause a righteous discomfort. And when you do in that space, then find a focus. Focus on something. Ask this Holy Spirit, God, what are what is it that you've put in my heart? Examine, do an inventory. What are the things? That grab your heart. Remember, there are so many things, but only a couple things are going to really touch your heart. And Then focus on that. Join someone who's doing that kind of work. And then when it gets hard, embrace that pain. Embrace it and allow it to fuel you to continue to go feel what God feels about that circumstance and continue to push forward. I want to close with a Franciscan blessing. Uh, it talks about a lot of these different things. I want you guys to close your eyes and I want to just speak this over all of us this morning about this idea of overcoming apathy and being the people that cares in the way that God calls us to. I want to read this to you. Close your eyes and just listen to the words. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half truths and superficial relationships so that you may live deep, Within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Let's pray. God, may that be us. I think about your sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn. And it's so clear Everything about who you are, Jesus, is pushing us away from apathy and towards being involved and being invested. There is so much in this world that is suffering and is broken. And yet, if we're honest, I speak for myself. When I'm honest, I too often ignore it or I allow my busyness or my own desires to get in the way from investing or commun- you know, doing something, committing to something that will be a part of solving the problem. It's so easy for me to say, I'm a pastor. I'm doing my part by pastoring a church. And that's not enough. It's not enough. I repent of that. And God, I ask for myself, but I ask for each of you. And guys, each one of you, just make this your own prayer. God, I want to care like you have called me to care. I see that so many times I am the priest or the Levite instead of the Good Samaritan. Can I see how many times I get notifications on my phone about different things that happen and I can't even take the time to to really allow my heart to feel discomfort and pain and to even just really pray about it or to do something about it. And even the things that are, local, even the things that are local, the little relationships that I have and the jaded and cynicism that I feel sometimes by relationships that I have that are frustrating or things that I could do, but I don't. God, I repent. I'm sorry. God, remind me of the love that you have for me. Remind me of how you gave me compassion when I was at the depths of my darkness before I met you. God, I give you permission to, to show me the things that I've I've hid from. I give you permission to, in, to, to shine a spotlight on the areas that you're calling me to get involved in. And the same for our church. Give us guidance, Lord. I repent of apathy. Instead, I focus <clears throat> on what you called me to. I will embrace the pain that comes with being involved in those spaces. And I will rejoice as I see the light of your Holy Spirit affecting the areas of darkness that you have sent me to. God, would you speak to our hearts in our discussion and as we go about our week? Do you just let this sit there and, and affect our hearts and change us, transform us so that we would be the people that truly are those who care and have compassion. We love you. and We thank you for this word. We thank you for your word and how it challenges us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.